The coals in the fire are turned over, and kindling slipped in to keep them going. A bright glow illuminates the faces circling it. All the children have been nestled into bed, but the adults are wide awake. Another round of intoxicating drink is passed from hand to hand. The atmosphere turns subdued and hazy. The edges of the forest begin to blur, and soft murmurs are heard in the night. But then a low voice rises from the circle. I am known as the Siren. I am the Temptress, pure attraction. I am the raw power women hold over men. I am sensual, alluring, and powerful. I can unbind shackles and grant freedom. I offer exploration and discovery, awakening your utmost desires, the forbidden, the unknown. But I can be dangerous and misleading. I can be fierce and vengeful. Basking in the attention of my admirers, I can become dominating, malicious, and controlling. I can revel in manipulation and enjoy leading you astray. Tonight, I offer the tale, The Sea's Desire. Over the shores of a small island in the cold Nordic Sea, there was a lady who commanded the ocean and rode its icy waves. Instead of a body, she had sparkling water, instead of feet, white foam, and instead of hair, long stretches of seaweed that wrapped everything up in its arms. Not far from the shore was a little white house inlaid with black stones and pale driftwood. It had a small window that faced the sea, and at night a candle always burned within its frame. The house belonged to a man young in years, but burdened by life. He had a little girl who was his reason for living since the loss of his beloved wife. The little girl loved to play by the sea, a pastime she used to share with her mother. The lady of the cold waters often watched the girl as she danced upon the craggy rocks and sifted through chilled sands for sea treasures. Watching her, the lady realized that she had grown tired of the seals and the whales, of the fish and the sharks. For thousands of years she had commanded them, but none were her equal and none excited her anymore. One day, the lady dipped and shivered up between the rocks, letting her waters ebb and flow to where the child was playing. She lifted her voice up to the child, beckoning her to come near her waters, to dance in the depths of her ocean. But just as the lady spoke, the wind began to howl and filled the child's ears with its wind. Try as the lady might, the louder she spoke, the harder the wind blew, and captured her words and carried them where they could do no harm. Oblivious to the things around her, the little girl returned to her father, and they ate a buttered fish dinner. Unrebuffed, the lady waited until the next morning to try to beguile the child once more. This time, the child was playing by the puddles that formed when the tide goes out. The lady climbed through the waters to reach the beach, and spilled her liquid body into the pool where the child was playing. Since her voice did not seem to be able to reach the child through the wind, the lady set her reflection in the pool where the little girl was making ripples, and staring at the contained sea life beneath. It started as a shimmer, and then a mist-like shape appeared atop the water's surface. The lady's face began to form, and the little girl's eyes grew wide. But just as the lady opened her mouth to speak watery words of enticement, the clouds rolled in and poured rain down, disrupting the water's calm surface. While the lady might have control over her seas, the heavens were another matter. The little girl's father called for her, and she ran away on light feet to safety and warmth. However, the lady would not surrender so easily, for who else would she have to play with and cuddle in her cold, wet arms? On the third day, the wind was nowhere to be found, 
and the sky was clear of any clouds, so the lady enlisted the help of her ocean seals. They barked and rolled in the water, and the little girl was delighted by them and sloshed down to the shore. There the lady's face appeared in the swirling tides, and her mouth opened to speak of the wonders of the sea. The lady spoke of floating weightless upon the waves and crashing onto the shore. The little girl did not understand the lady's words, but she came closer to the lady's outstretched arms. Seeing the girl within her reach, the lady sent out a wave to knock the little girl's feet from under her and swept her up into her waiting arms. Tenderly and gently, she pulled the child out to sea with her, the seals keeping pace, somersaulting beneath the water's edge. The lady's conch shell heart was filled with joy, for she had found a new pet to amuse her days. Luckily, the little girl's father was watching from the window, and he saw his child assaulted by ocean waves and pulled out to sea. He ran to his boat, and hauling anchor and oars, he began to row out after his daughter. Now the lady of the sea was not the only one who commanded the ocean. Her father, ancient and calm, rarely skimmed the top of his waters. He stayed mostly beneath the surface and dealt with the shifting ocean floor and properly mixing currents. While he had been aware of his daughter's attempts at procuring a new playmate, he was not pleased that she had succeeded. While he would not directly prevent her, the old man of the sea stirred up his own mighty ocean waves and sent the sea into a stormy froth. Up above, the lady of the sea pouted as her father got involved. Normally, she would have been able to easily outdistance a rowing man, but the sea storm prevented her from a smooth course. Upon catching sight of his daughter, the man renewed his rowing in earnest, and his powerful oars chopped at the lady's arms, and she dropped the girl. Her father pulled her from the sea before the lady could pick her up, and rowed them both back to the shore. The lady was dismayed, but as the storm abated, something shiny caught her eye falling through the water. It was a golden wedding ring. The little girl must have taken it from the white clay jar of her mother's things. The lady secreted the ring away in her underwater burrow. The lady gave up on the little girl, and she turned her attention to the father. Seeing him able to maneuver and manipulate his boat, even in harsh weather, enlightened her eyes. And so the lady of the sea began to watch the man. The father kept his daughter away from the sea for many days, but eventually, with a promise not to go to the water, he allowed her to play in the hillock above the sea. After supper, the father and his daughter lit a candle and placed it in the window, and he tucked her into bed. Then, as the moon slowly rose, the man sat by the wavering candle, and looked out to the ocean. That night, the lady made her move. Taking the ring from its hiding place, and careful to make sure her father, the old man of the sea, was sleeping, the lady slipped the ring under her finger and swam to shore. With his wife's ring, the lady could take her form, becoming human in shape and identical in face. The lady draped herself in a dress made of white lace, her small waist encircled by a blue-green shawl that sparkled and flowed like the ocean. She walked along the beach, the moonlight glowing in her hair, her stolen face gazing at the man through his window. The man stared in wonder and began to rise from his chair, but his daughter turned in her bed and he remembered that his wife was dead, and this must surely be a trick of moonlight. He blew out the candle and went to sleep. Puzzled that his wife's familiar face and the lady's own beauty did not move him to the shore, the lady desired him most fiercely. She was made of the waters of the wild, and as the sea, liked to collect things. Broken ships, lost sailors, anything she could lure into the sea belonged to her. She was not an evil force, but she was just as deadly. The next night, waiting for the child to sleep and the lighting of the candle, the lady once more slipped on the wedding ring and took the shape of the man's dead wife. He stared from inside his white house, then looked away, blew out his candle, and turned into his pillow. 
The lady was prepared for this, though, and she slipped into his dream thoughts as mist and fog. The man was pulled from his bed by the image of his wife in his dreams, and he opened the door of his house, and the man walked barefoot across the cold sand toward the lady waiting for him. But the wind slammed the door shut, waking his daughter who called sleepily for her papa. The man woke from his dream and found himself standing cold-footed on the beach. Worried, the man returned and comforted his daughter. The next night, the man, knowing something was amiss, tied himself to his bed with strong fishing ropes. But the lady called to him in his dreams, and her misty touch dissolved his bonds. Once more, a cry from his sleeping daughter woke him from the lady's embrace. One touch of her waters, and he would belong to her, body and soul. On the third night, he nailed the door shut, but in his dreams, the lady had him climb out the window. This time when he woke, he stood but a toad's width from the cold sea. The following night, the man did not sleep, but instead, when he saw the lady with the face of his wife, he went to her. He could not resist her, and his heart longed for her. As he took the last step that would place his feet in the water, his wife's heart-shaped locket, which he had worn round his neck since her death, flashed in the moonlight, and his reflection fell upon the lady's face. The man saw through the enchantment, and while the lady was most beautiful, he saw that she was not his beloved wife. Seeing that she was losing the man, the lady reached out for him and caught his arm. Filled with knowledge, the man removed her hand from him and pulled off his wife's ring. The illusion dissolved, and the lady was left standing alone on the beach. The man returned to his house and his child, and the next day cut a new window into a wall that faced inland.